Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you really want to make a podcast? Do, do, do. Yeah, what if we just sang our um, music? Maybe we should get some real music, Samantha. The podcast came. Oh, you're still recording. Three, two. Survival Jobs is a podcast spotlighting artists, their side hustles, and their passions. Hosted by Samantha Titsolo and Jason A. Coombs. Boom. Sweet. Okay. Love it. Hey, Jason. Hey, Samantha Sikorax. Hey, Coombsy Coombsy. Oh, Samantha, it's been such yes. a rough, rough start of the year. Rough. All these iconic legends that are just leaving us. Stop. When Danny Tanner was announced that he died, I Yo. was. I saw a meme that was like, please check on millennials today. Like their TV dad died. And it's true. Yo, Full House was my shit. Growing <laughs> up. I love Danny Tanner. I was so heartbroken. So sad. And then like Betty White. Right? I was like, why? Why? She's like, her, right? And then Sydney Poitier, which was like, he's oh. every black actor is like, yeah, peak. You know, he's like, everyone wants to be like that. You know, so oh, and then there's been a couple other people, but those are my yeah. three that were just like, yeah, guts, man. And don't they say that like deaths happen in threes? I don't know. It's it's so hard to say like the year started off so shitty by these things happening because we're I feel like we're like coming from shitty year into shitty year into shitty year. But <laughs> if you kind of just like really try to keep looking on the positive side of things, you know, even with a huge spread of COVID right now and mm. we're like cold, it's very cold in this town. <laughs> <laughs> we're just yeah. doing the best that we can. Tell me about these plays you've been going to, Yeah, Queen. Thank you. So I have been trying to eat up as much theater as I can because you just don't know what's going to happen. And I am so lucky to live so close to Broadway theaters. So actually this past weekend, I saw three plays. I saw The Search for Science of Intelligent Life in the Universe at The Shed, which yes, is off Broadway, shed. which, oh my God, The Shed is such a cool space. Cecily Strong is so goddamn good. And if you can get a ticket, run to see it because it's so brilliant to be able to snap, snap, snap from character to character to character so flawlessly and smoothly and be able to still tell the story. 
she was great. And, and I low key think I'm going to go again. Then I saw Clyde's starring Uzo Aduba. She was amazing. The show was so good. It was funny, but also deep. The acting was incredible. I was sad because Ron Cephas Jones is in it, but he was out that night. And so I was like, damn, I really wanted to see him. Yes. Mm. But his understudy and like snaps to the understudies was brilliant. Like you would have never, ever known. He was so incredibly talented. And, And by the way, I think, I think that you can people listening. This is Thursday. I believe this show closes Sunday, the 15th or 16th, whatever the date. And you can buy tickets yeah. online, I think for $50 to, to watch the show live, like as oh, it's happening. Wow. So if, if you can do that, you should, because it's so great. Don't miss it. Then I saw the closing night performance of uh, Trouble in Mind. Um, the play was supposed to premiere on Broadway in 1955, I think. Holy shit. Or it should have been transferred to Broadway something like 66 years ago. But the playwright, oh. Alice Childress, wouldn't make, wouldn't change the play. It's a, the play is about racism in theater and like racism mm. towards actors and what we've been dealing with, you know, forever. Yeah. And she wrote mm-hmm. about it in 1955 and they, it was well received off Broadway. They wanted to do the transfer, but the producers were like, we'll transfer it if you change X, Y, and Z. And she was like, no, like, this is the play. I wrote, I'm not going to tone down the racism because it's my play. And so she finally got her, her Broadway debut 66 years later. And it was really great. Can you imagine like being in that position? Like I I often think about that, like being in a position where you can have your dream come true, but then like, you may have to make a sacrifice for it. So do you sacrifice your integrity for your dream? Obviously, I'm not asking you yes or no. No, I'm just I saying, know. Like, be in that situation. I don't know. You know, and this, this woman, like, she sounds incredible. I can't wait to research her after this episode. Yeah. I, I mean, talk about works. having that conviction, like in the 50s, to be like, this is Hello? my fucking work as a woman, as a black woman. Yeah. Like, this is my work. This is an opportunity, but you're not going to change it. Like, I'm not changing this work. Like, this is just the way it is, is what it's going to be. And to have that conviction, like, especially back then, and like to stand her ground. That's in 1955, tough. you know, I hope brave. we're moving brave. Brave is like, you know, brave ahead of the times. Like I hope that on. we're moving toward a world and an industry where nobody will have to be put in that situation where you're not going to have to sacrifice your art to fit in a certain mold that if art is good and you work hard, that you can get to that level of success without having to bend your art. Yeah. That's the goal, right? Boom. Wow. I was just going to say that I'm going to see my first live theater this weekend, hopefully. <gasps> I haven't seen a show since January 2020 when I went to go see Hadestown for my birthday. <gasps> yeah, I haven't seen a live show since then. And wow. hopefully this weekend I'm going to see Little Shop. It's off Broadway. I'm, I'm excited. It's been a long time. I have one more question for you before we go into our awesome guest Okay. You, did you ever watch Sex in the City? Are you a Sex in the City fan? Yes. Not like, not like super, Same. super yeah. fan, but like I, I would get down with those reruns on E Channel for sure. Are you watching the new series just like yes, that? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. 
You liking it? What are your thoughts? Okay. This is a long mic check. <laughs> I know. Here's my thoughts. I love Sex in the City. I've watched the reruns on the E channel on a Sunday. I love it. I love Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> How do you, I understand like why they're there's they still moved forward with this reboot, but it, it I don't know how you do sex in the city without Samantha. Uh for me, oh, it's right. just like I feel her missing. And it it's not the same show, right? It's not supposed to be the same show, but I don't know. It's just not doing it for me. That said, I'm watching every single week. I need to know what's going on. How about you? Are you liking it? I actually am liking it. I thought I wasn't gonna like it because I love Samantha, like most people do. Yeah, and I felt like in the first couple episodes were like a little weird, but maybe I'm just getting used to it. And I just feel like like people were like, "Oh, we can't do the show without her," but they're they're proving that they can, I guess. And like, of course, she's missing, but I feel like they're they're doing enough where it's like I'm not sad. Any, I'm not sad that she's gone. I don't know. I have, I I'm enjoying that it's a show about women in their fifties. You know, yes. like older women. I think Thank that's a, that's always so missing. And obviously I'm not a woman in my 50s, but I feel like that perspective is, is necessary. I am glad that we are both watching it and now we can and catch up about it and see what's going to happen and unfold with these characters. So that's fun. Yes. Anyway, let's talk yeah. about today's guests. Let's get down to business. Yes, Jerry Ann. Jerry Ann Perez. So I saw Jerry Ann in Waitress. I went to the first show of waitress and I remember seeing her because she was fierce and I was like oh she needs to come on the podcast and now she is so I'm super excited Jerry Ann is a proud graduate of NYU's Tisch School of the Arts she's appeared on stages from New York City to Shanghai and venues including 54 Below, Joe's Pub, Town Hall, the Beacon Theater, Lincoln Center and Carnegie Hall fierce fierce indeed Jerry Ann made her Broadway debut as Kathy in Broadway's first acapella musical, In Transit, at the Circle in the Square Theater before warming hearts and stomachs across the country on the national tour of Waitress, the beloved musical of music by Sarah Bareilles. She was most recently in the Waitress reboot on Broadway this past December. Should we bring her in? Get her in. Hi, Darianne. Welcome to Survival Jobs, a podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to be a part of this and just chat, chat with you for a little bit. It's going to be really fun. Of course. And this is a big day because you are the first guest we've ever had on that neither Jason and or I knew prior. So that's cool. I'm yeah. excited for yeah. that. Yeah, or like had a connection. Congratulations, episode 22. <laughs> you just set a survival jobs record. Is nice. that what you would say? A record? Not a, a record. Thank you. <laughs> I still have COVID brain. Um, survival jobs milestone. 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 That's it. That's it. Milestone, I think. Yeah. Yes. I said mild. I have to tell you, I had COVID a few weeks ago, as oh. everyone has. And I still have mega COVID brain. Like, I've, I'll be speaking and I'm like, wait, where's that word? Yeah, I, I, everybody got it. Like, it just, it made its way through and like the the speed at which we could not have anticipated it coming through and especially coming into our industry and shutting down our industry like we uh, <laughs> CDC could not react quick enough to those at home kits not being um correct enough right off yeah. the bat like it just the the speed at which we realized the inefficiency of picking up 
this new variant before it became contagious or you became infectious. It like we nobody could have like preemptively planned this. So it just like I I I mean everybody like so many people in my cast got it. Um I'm pretty sure my Jeez. mom has it right now. Like thankfully like all vaxxed, you know what I mean? And like on the up yeah. and up. But uh it it affects everybody differently and it's it's uh it's it's you know it was sort of crazy to see happen for sure. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank it's you. On the up time. and up. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, uh, it's been two years of this. It's like every time you think it's gonna get better, like something happens and it's just like you're starting over again. It feels like it's good to share space with you and it's good that uh we're here, you know, we're still surviving. Yeah, surviving. <laughs> Literally surviving, surviving on survival jobs, number one. Yes, legitimately. That's like what everybody has to do. You know, yeah. that was one of the the fantastic, maybe you know, fantastic is an interesting word for that, but we all sort of had to find something else, something that we could enjoy doing that would give us additional income. I feel like it gave people space to just explore something outside of maybe just the industry or maybe whatever job they were working at the time. But it just like, I felt like you broadened your scope of what you wanted to do with your life, what your interests could lead to, what your hobbies could lead to, not having your identity so closely tied to one thing that was maybe had to be shut down because of the pandemic, you know? Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of survival jobs, do you mm-hmm. have experience or a story from one of your survival jobs that has positively impacted where you are in your career or mm. your goals now? Yeah. I mean, the things that I explored were, you know, in most ways outside of the industry. The only thing that I did that was tied to the industry was teaching kids you know, dancing or singing. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Like I, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I moved down to Florida, this house that I'm in now with my parents and all of these kids were at home and, you know, had no outlets, no PE, just no nothing. And so I offered to teach some kids in the neighborhood. Um, I taught them voice lessons and dance lessons, and it was really sweet and lovely. And it just gave me the ability to be creative, but to also give back. Um, and, uh, but then there were other sort of odd jobs that I picked up like, um, dog walking and dog sitting. I love yes. dogs <laughs> so much. And, uh, and it was nice. It was nice to do something just completely different for being artistic or creative. Um, and then the other thing that I actually did commit to was becoming a professional organizer. And I Amazing. can't even, I can't even remember like how I came to want to do that, but I just remember being like, this could be something kind of cool to explore. And I ended up, you know, reaching out to this woman who's a personal organizer down here. And, um, I became one of her interns and worked there for at least six to seven months. And learned everything about professional organizing and basically bringing order to people's lives. I was not really a person who thrived on order or cleanliness as, you know, most creatives and artists, we are not the tidiest Same. Of people. Same. <laughs> I'm a Virgo, but that is where I differ is that I'm not <laughs> tidy. It was interesting. My first job that I worked I, I, you know, we, we organized this woman's garage who had just moved and, you know, it, 
it was just a disaster and she hadn't had the energy to, to take care of it. So she hired us. She had her whole team. And when she came down and she saw it, she got so emotional because you just don't know <laughs> like the stress of seeing your stuff everywhere and disorganized yeah. and in disarray. And then the second you see it put together, you can like almost just see clearly. That was why I did it. I mean, organizing is can be sort of exhausting and backbreaking work, but what makes it wonderful is it's it's like sh- a shockingly philanthropic job. Girl, when you're back in the city, maybe I have a gig for you over here in my Absolutely. closet. <laughs> I literally thought about that. I thought about doing it, it when I got back to New York and then I ended up working at a mortgage company survival job. Um, and then a month and a half into training, I got the call for waitress. So my life has sort of done wow. some topsy-turvy turns over the last year, <laughs> to say the least. Wow. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. kudos to you though. You just fit out like all these survival jobs you did a lot of them in the pandemic and Jason and I talked about a lot on this podcast like not even having the strength to like go for a run and you're like I walked dogs and organized and did this oh well, believe you me believe you me the first seven to eight wow. months of the pandemic I was not very proactive I had such a hard time dealing with my identity being rocked it was sure. it wasn't until about december of 2020 that i was like i can't just wake up and not know what my day is going to be anymore yeah. that was it that was that was all it took for me to say hey i'll i'll walk some dogs or hey i'll like come organize your kitchen like i just yeah. i wanted to know what i could do with my day or my week sure. not to make things like negative but like do you have like a survival job that you actually hated that you were like never ever want to go back to <laughs> uh, that mortgage job oh, oh mortgage really job. i i really thought i was going to like it and it was out of all my survival jobs the best one because it was salary salaried i had health health insurance meanwhile i, oh, wow. I only got this job because my health insurance is going to run out um mm. and so my health is something that really matters to me. And so I was like, well, I got to find a job, you know, and, and the, the additional sort of supplemental unemployment was going to go away. Like I had to start making moves to be able to sustain life. And I had no idea what was going to happen with our industry. Our industry sort of came back quicker than I think any of us anticipated. It seemed like it was going to take a longer time. And then everybody was like, yo, we're back in September. And guess what? you're going to be in the first show that opens on Broadway. Like none Mm. of that could have been anticipated for anybody. It's the same thing with, you know, Omicron sweeping. You just go with the flow. But yeah, the the mortgage job was hard because I was, I was on the phones with people and as, as personable and as problem solving a person as I am, you really got on the phone with some people who thought their problem was your problem or their problem was your fault. Yeah. They they seemed to get it twisted and confused a lot. At that time, I didn't understand how to not let that affect me. Now I I think that that at this point I would just it had I done the job longer, I think it would have affected me less. I think that it would have hurt my feelings less. But in the beginning, you know, it's a new job. You want to do a great job at it. Mm. And if people are coming at you not happy, you take that on. And so that was, that was definitely out of all of them. Just like, 
just, I would have, my heart would be so fast and I'd get such tightness in my chest the second I had to put those headphones on and like bring the mic down. That's when I I was like, this isn't for me. I feel that I, I did a cold calling job for a really long time. And sometimes people were so rude and it was for life insurance. So a shitty topic sometimes, you know, depending, but the way people treat treated me, I'm like, hello, are you a person? No. So I feel you on that. Megaly. Megaly. Yes. There's a word I just brought from my COVID COVID brain. brain. We got to write a a new dictionary. Like from COVID brain. Yeah. And just have everyone send in their submissions. (laughs) Yes. Surely there'll be some good ones. Maybe you probably have some good ones too. I probably do, but I can't remember them because (laughs) still live in the fog. Yeah. Fully in the fog. (laughs) Such a fog. Um, So congratulations, by the way, that's such an amazing story. It was going to be one of my later questions though, how you took that mortgage job and then got the call for waitress. Mm. And by the way, I was at that performance. Congratulations. It was amazing. The first performance back on Broadway. What a thrill that was that. That This is, uh, I'm going to have to veer off a little bit. What was that like? Oh man. Being like the first, one of the first musicals back on Broadway after the uncertainty of not knowing what was going to happen. Well, I mean, it's such a, that's such a nuanced question because not only was it amazing to be a part of the first show coming back to Broadway, you also had the additional piece of the puzzle that no one in that room thought they were going to do waitress again. That show, that show had closed January, 2020. So everybody said goodbye. Peace be with you. We love waitress. Now we're moving on. And then, you know, COVID happened. So when we walked into the rehearsal room for the first day of rehearsals and everybody was there, it was, you know, all of the cast, which was just waitress royalty, like OG Broadway principals, Sarah Bareilles leading us. Um, you know, uh, Diane Palace, all of the creatives are there. The producers are there, you know, the media is there. And it just, there was this tangible energy of just such excitement mixed with disbelief because again, no one thought they were going to do waitress again. And when they got the opportunity to do it again, they they worked very, very hard to make sure that it could come to fruition. And it did. I mean, as far as the opening night, so uh, for some context, I was a swing in the Broadway company. I was told a couple days ahead of time that I would be needing to swing in for one of the tracks due to illness in our cast. You know, when you're a swing, you don't think you're ever going to open a show. You don't think you're ever going to close a show because Everybody yeah. in the cast is going to want to be on that stage for those two very important two. milestones of a show. That in itself was insane because I did not think I would be gracing the stage. None of my other swings had that opportunity or were, were uh, you know, were in the tracks to do so. So that was insane. And then, I mean, there, it, I will never forget the sound of applause at the top of the show. I will never forget when the drop comes up 
and you see Sarah through the scrim and that entire audience just, I think, gave us a standing O at the top of the show. I can confirm. I can confirm. I was like, I think that was a standing O. I think there were like seven standing ovations during that performance. Y'all clapped and cheered for every entrance every everything like it like we we were just on stage like trying to have our ground ourselves you know like we it felt like we had like like wings on our feet like we were so ungrounded we were this mixture between like almost about to cry almost about to laugh we've we felt crazy like I remember Sarah saying <laughs> about a week past the opening, she goes, oh, it's, you know, it's nice. We finally got our footing. Like everybody's here and present now, because when we started, when we opened, we were all crazy. But it's yeah, the just of like the world, right? It's like, it's just, you know, it just was so much good energy because it was Broadway's coming back. And then you also had the waitress family coming back. Like, there's such a community of people who love that show that those people in the audience also thought they were never going to see Waitress again unless they saw the tour that's still out. You know what I mean? And it's going to be sure. very different than Sarah leading it. It just, it just, the the energy was insane. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I mean, what an amazing memory to have. I just like felt, I just felt like I was there the way you just described it. Wait, I just, I was like standing, yeah, Yeah. standing in the wings, like I'm next to Stephanie Torrance and Eric Anderson. And, you know, we we enter in all this choreography and you hear like my hands pluck the things I know that I need. I see Stephanie walk out. It's just like, and I look at Eric, who's like standing there with a baking rack (laughs) and he's like, it's it's an unforgettable feeling. Yeah. It'll never, it'll, you know, that's that's a once in a lifetime feeling that'll never happen again. Um, and that's what makes it so precious. I mean, I will never forget being in the audience that night. So I can't even imagine like being in the show. You know what I mean? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations on all of the accomplishments and all the shows you've been in. So what was the first moment in your life where you were like, I want to do this. I'm going to be a performer. Mm. Well, it's twofold. I mean, I think the first time I auditioned for a musical when I was 13, I think that was when I felt a sort of like outer body experience where I was like, I think this is what I'm meant to do. Like I was 13. It was Oliver. I'm singing when, when, as long as he needs me, when I literally almost just said when he sees me. <laughs> I, I covered Don and the waitress, but as long as he needs me, is Nancy's song. And I, you know, it was middle school, and I'm like at the auditorium, and I'm on the stage, and I'm, you know, at callbacks. And I just remember very vividly what I was wearing and just what it felt like to sing and fill a space with my voice for the first time. I, I had never felt so at home before. Um, I was a pretty shy kid. Um, I had tried so many different sports and none of them really worked for me. I had undiagnosed asthma at the time. So at the time, I didn't really understand why athletics were so difficult for me. It was because I couldn't breathe, but singing was just different. So that was when I was like, I think this is home. As far as wanting to commit to it, 
it took me all the way up until I think my senior year of high school because I was also a very academic student. I really loved, you know, academia, academics. Like I I just loved getting good grades and I loved science and part of me wanted to be a neurologist and like part of me wanted to just like (laughs) fully go into something like that. And then again, I don't even know when the realization may have happened, but I just somewhere in the fall was like, this is, this is what I should do. It's not the smart thing. It's not the easy thing. It's not the safe thing, but this is, this is what I should do. And then the rest was history. I mean, I think I always like had the idea of like a plan B, a backup plan in my head throughout college. I went to NYU. I think somewhere in me, I just always sort of trusted it was going to work out. And even if it didn't, I was always going to find an, another thing to do to bide my time, which I did. I didn't, I didn't I was book say, Broadway. Did. Like, yeah, I mean, but I didn't, I, I graduated college and I didn't book like a long I didn't book a Broadway show until three to four years later. I mean, what I had booked before that were very short contracts, you know, very short regional gigs. They didn't pay enough to sustain living in New York City. So I ended up working um, as an administrative aide at an office for years. And um, I took auditions that my agent sent me. And then um, in transit was my Broadway debut. And I have a background in acapella and choir. And when I heard yeah. an acapella musical was coming to Broadway, I was like, can I please be seen for this? And then um, and then that was a whole other wonderful existential audition experience. But it you know, it, it like it took a second for like my career to to start. For sure. That's pretty amazing. Can I ask yeah. what's the rehearsal process like compared to like like, you know, an acapella musical versus, you know, uh, I don't want to say regular musical, but I guess like a traditional musical. Well, with transit, yeah. uh, s- s- semi, sort of like, uh, you know, usually you'll start, especially if you're like in the ensemble of a show, you'll start mu- learning the music. Um, with in transit, it was just an extended period of learning the music. We didn't get on our feet mm. until about 10 days into rehearsal. That's not, that's not usual. You know, for most shows, you spend a couple days learning material and then you put it up um, on its feet, you know, choreograph it, stage it, etc. So for in transit, the entire cast was just sitting in a room at Pearl Studios for 10 straight days drilling the most difficult harmonies we will ever have to sing in our careers. <laughs> I, I, I like stand by yeah. it. Even if you're in a Sondheim show, nothing will be more musically difficult than having Sunday in transit score. I, I mean, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was, it was intense. I mean, I loved it. My little music brain, my little acapella brain was just so happy and so stimulated. Um, and when we, when we came together and when it sounded good and tight and blended, it's just, there's, there's something so incredible about just human voices coming together. I love that you just said my little acapella. Absolutely. (laughs) One of of the nerdiest parts about me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's not nerdy. It's perfect. 
you performed in, <laughs> in so many amazing places like Carnegie Hall and the Beacon Theater. Which one gave you the biggest pinch me moment? Like, wow, like I'm performing here, 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 <laughs> here. <laughs> I, I feel like it must be Carnegie Hall. Wow. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, it just, the acoustics in that space and the history of that space are insane. And I, the first time I performed there, actually both times I performed there were with, were acapella pieces. So it was the first time I performed there was with a, um, a show that I did on the road for a couple of months called Vocalocity. And we basically did acapella covers of pop songs, jazz songs, et cetera. Just that, and we were completely sold out. I don't, and I don't know how many seats are in Carnegie Hall, but I just, the sound wow. reverberating back at you when you were performing and singing at Carnegie Hall is, is unparalleled. So I think that was probably my first like big pinch me moment. You know, I just went and saw the search for signs of intelligent life in the universe at the shed with Cecily Strong. It's an amazing play. You should go if you get the chance. And there's this bit that one of like the characters she plays does. And she says, you know, when people are in town, like tourists are in town and I hear them ask somebody, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? I run Mm -hmm. up to them and I tell them practice. (laughs) I always loved that. And it's too fitting to share. (laughs) I love that. Practice. Practice. It's practice. practice. Yeah. Like how do you get there? there? And you got there. Absolutely. Do you have a, a piece of advice anybody's ever given you that has stuck with you? That's like the best piece of advice you feel that you've gotten so we had uh jesse martin he was our um orientation speaker for tish school of the arts and he he just very simply said be nice to everybody because the people that i was nice to in college are in the position to give me jobs now and Past the opportunity, the idea of getting opportunity from kindness, it actually costs you nothing. Like it, it actually makes people want to be around you. It makes you have a light that people always want to bring in their space. So it's, and also like you just hold yourself different and better. I think that's just like that really, really stuck with me. And then the other thing, that is like this piece of advice that I give at nearly any Q&A or masterclass I teach. Um, and I think like some parents, when they hear it, they're like, <sighs> but I mean it when I say like, if there's anything else you can do that would give you happiness, passion, and make you feel fulfilled, go do that. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. However, if you could oh. not see yourself doing anything else when you wake up, every morning, then you're meant to do this. Because a lot of people during the pandemic walked away from this industry because they explored other things that could really bring them happiness. They moved to different locations that they want. They got cars, they got pets, they got houses, they had babies. (laughs) They Mm. expanded their lives in ways that were fulfilling to them. So uh, what the people who stayed 
they've they've got grit because they decided to stay even through a pandemic, even on the other side of a pandemic where we're still navigating the nuances of what COVID's going to do or not do, or you know, close down or postpone, et cetera. So, yeah, two pieces of advice, long winded, but that's what I got for you. No, you're preaching. That's so true. <laughs> we do. No, that no I, just, I just know so many people who like have decided like this something that I, people I thought would never ever move to a different career. Like, you know, so it's like it's so true. It's like facts. Yeah. It does get so tiring and exhausting. Like you hit a point where you're like, what am I doing? Why am I here paying this rent, doing this thing Mm -hmm. for what? And then I feel like like similar to your story about getting the job at the mortgage company, Mm -hmm. you do try to do something else and then something happens to bring you back. And it's those moments where you're like, oh, wait, I need to hold on a little longer Mm -hmm. or I need to maybe do a thing differently to do Mm -hmm. a different thing. Did you hear that sentence? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just think it's just like classic law of detachment. Like this, the second you like agree to let something go, it's like, but I'm not done. And it's about, you know, do you want to detach from that thing? But a, a lot of times like detachment is the best practice you have because it releases your control. You're like, I can't control the outcome of this. I can't control the outcome of whether this casting director wants to give me a job or bring me in. It's not a, it's not an indicator on what I'm capable of. It's just literally whether it fits or it doesn't. So, I mean, finding other things to give you happiness outside of this industry and expanding your identity outside of this industry, I think you can have whether you're deciding to stay in it or not. Okay, Jerry, preaching today. I love it. (laughs) I just, yeah, just like I've just had to do a lot of thinking during this pandemic. So I'm just sharing my thoughts. Yes, girl. That's why we started this podcast. You know what I mean? Yes. We were like thinking in the pandemic too. For sure. (laughs) I guess as we're coming towards the end of our conversation, Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious do you have like a dream? role that you would want to play or dream person you want to collaborate with dream show you want to be in i really like that that third one no second one i think i would really love the opportunity to work with lin-manuel miranda i i totally understand that maybe not everybody has the highest of opinion about him and i totally hear and under and have heard whatever criticisms may be around Mm. him but from me, I grew to really appreciate the work that he has created for artists of the Latin community in a, in a way that, that is so strong because I was with my nieces um, for Christmas and um, one is four and one is one and we are Puerto Rican. And I remember growing up and the closest Disney princess to me who even looked like me was Pocahontas and she was my favorite but I also think it's because she looked the most like me and and my family and now I can sit down with my nieces and watch Encanto, Vivo and Lynn has had his had his hands in both of those movies he also had his hand in, in the Heights the film and the you know in Hamilton it's like 
Yeah. I appreciate the art that has been created for, for people of my community. And so I think that that's, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy. I think to be like, my must play before die roll is this, this, and that. And it's like, I, I want to just work with that visionary artist that he is and see what could be Jerry Ann crafted for Jerry Ann or what I could find my way into in his creation. Wow. That's beautiful. Encanto is so good. (laughs) Encanto is the absolute best. Like I (laughs) love it so much. Like I watched it every day when I was with my nieces. And then when I came here, I watched it by myself because it's a good movie. I good also movie, good score. Yes, my niece is also four and is on repeat. And she is making me act with her. She loves it. I swear the girls watched it 40 times, but I then also watched it by myself. So if you haven't watched Encanto, people, please. It is yes. so good. Like, enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I mean, he's one of those people that's just like, I haven't seen it yet. I'm sorry, but, <laughs> but I will. I will. My niece is 16 and she doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. So. <laughs> well, That's serious, like well, shockingly, like Encanto is like, <laughs> like if you enjoyed Frozen, if you enjoyed Moana, like there is something like adults can really appreciate about Disney all the time. But I just feel like it, it, I, I, it's just such a good story. I don't know. It's It's gorgeous. Yeah, for sure. No, but I love that you said that about him. And I, I feel the same way. I feel like every time, of course, everyone loves Hamilton, right? But every time I watch Hamilton, still, like, I, I get so close to tears. I'm just like, anything's possible, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just love that about him. And I think he's, I don't care what people say. Like, I love him. And I think he's fantastic. And I'm right on that train with you. I will, like, <laughs> be his assistant taking notes. I'll do anything to work with him. Yes. Yeah. Me too. I'll be yes. an intern. Yeah, right. <laughs> like gladly. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Now we just had our Lynn Manuel Love Fest. Oh yeah. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is my favorite question on the podcast. Okay. If you had to go back to your least or worst survival job, so I guess the mortgage company, unless there was something else for the next yeah, 10 worst. years. And then when you came out of that 10-year period with the mortgage company, you have your blissful dream life, your dream career, you're working with Lin-Manuel, you're doing everything artistically that you could possibly want for the rest of your life. Would you do it from the time you are now for the next 10 years with that headset? <laughs> your face is Step one. <laughs> you know, you got to bring it back to the survival jobs, you know? You know, I, this is going to sound so strange. I have faith that I will get to what that other side is sooner than a decade. I I think that the life that I want to craft will, will be here soon. And so I don't want to lose a decade of my life on something that wouldn't fulfill me, wouldn't make me happy just because I know that I also can get wrapped up in what I'm doing in the moment. And I feel like Jerry Ann would probably just end up being CEO of that company. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so, so it's just like, I just think that, that truly I'll, I'll be having what I, what I want sooner than a decade. Yes. 
I love that. And I think that kind of attitude is so important to be successful in this industry. So kudos to you for being fierce in all all aspects of it. (laughs) There's this like beautiful moment in this J Balvin documentary that really moved me over the summer that I watched. And and basically like, if you haven't seen it, I'll, I'll wrap up and try to be very quickly quick, but basically he's about to put on a concert in his hometown in Colombia. And um, there are a lot of protests happening and he's also navigating laryngitis. So he's coming up against a lot of things right before this really culminating performance, like, and of him basically coming home and you know, a bunch of people, this guy is like sort of spitting at him, all of this sort of negative, toxic, like, you know, look at all these things that you're going to come up against. Like, aren't you worried about this? What aren't you worried about that? And Jay just says like, yo tengo fe, which means I have faith. Like you just, you have to have faith because if you lose her, it's done. It's a wrap. So you have to have faith. I That's love the that. Title this episode. <laughs> Jesus, Keep the I faith. Keep the faith in the words of Bon Jovi. There you <laughs> go. You know, I always say too, uh, speaking of in the heights, I always say what about Abuela Claudia says. And excuse me, paciencia y fe. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Anytime patience and faith. Like, Samantha, paciencia fe. <laughs> Literally patience and faith. It's all time. Oh. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, that was it for the question portion of our show. You're amazing. Wow. I'm so glad you came on. This is a great storyteller, too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So sweet. You didn't miss a beat. <laughs> Thank you. But we do. My internet missed a beat. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But we picked right back up, you know, and that's all that matters. Got to keep it going. Yes. Uh, so we do end every episode with a game just to bring things back to light and fluffy fun um so our game is called is this a sarah borellis lyric or an ingrid michelson lyric seeing as how you were in waitress (laughs) with sarah borellis and ingrid michelson is writing the music to the notebook did you know that i think i did i think i saw that somewhere in a breakdown yeah we thought it would be a great game what do you think (laughs) i I am relatively strong at Sarah's music. So I think I'll, I should be able to do, I'm not so strong with Ingrid, but I should be able to deduce what is Sarah's, I think. Okay. Great. Let's yeah. see. Jason, cue the music. Okay. okay. Here's the first one. Is there five? Six. Right? So six. Okay, cool. Here's the first one. Here I am. I stand so tall, just the way I'm supposed to be, but you're on to me and Sarah. all over me. Correct. Yes. Gravity. Correct. Yes. Bonus, point. Yes. Bonus point for knowing the song. <laughs> okay, next one. Do you want to beat your own heart, beat your own heart, or leave it behind? Ingrid. Correct. Correct, yes. This song is called two Do It Now. Number three. So glide away on soapy heels and promise not to promise anymore. Ingrid. Correct. Oh yeah, that's the chain. The chain. I <laughs> love that song. I was that's listening like, to these songs today while yeah. we were like getting the game together, and I listened to the chain a couple times. 
legitimately uh, uh, the reason I know it is because multiple musical theater girls at NYU sang that in a pop rock pop rock class. So <laughs> that's why I said, "Oh, I know this one. I remember that girl in character heels." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know this one. Click, click, click. Okay, next one. You sound so innocent. All full of all full of good intent. Sarah. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't even finish correct. Song. That is a great song and a great music video. Yes. yes. Great. Mm. King of anything, and right? Am I correct? Oh yeah, King of Anything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Great. And I know that holding us in place is simply fear of what's Sarah. already changed. Sarah. Yes. No song. Manhattan. Yeah. Thank you for the note. (laughs) Yeah, I literally was like, I had to literally like go into my brain because I could, I could literally hear it. And it's because I did a 54 Below concert back in like 2015 and I sang Manhattan. So I was like, I know that this has a deep, this is like deeply connected to my soul. And I was like trying to figure out why. Yes. We, We landed there. Manhattan got me. Uh, not. I want. I don't want to say it got me through a breakup. It just made me cry more during a breakup one. But I appreciate. I mean, it. she just writes the best breakup music. Like it's I'm just like, like quite you. simple. Yeah, it, I was like, like, I was like, thank you. I can have Manhattan. Absolutely. <laughs> when she goes, does anybody know? Can, like, can you hold my heart? How beautiful. Like, there? can yeah. you hold my heart? Simple. Simple and yeah. Okay, final question of the game. And it, I think you're probably going to get 100. I'm sorry if I just jinxed you. Well, <laughs> you might be a bit confused and you might be a little bit bruised, but baby, how we spoon like no one else. It doesn't sound like a Sarah lyric, Ingrid. Correct. Yes. I'm like, but I don't feel like Sarah. <laughs> I don't want to like say we spoon like no one else. She Congratulations. Say that. <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. Wow! Oh, nice. our first guest ever that neither of us knew, and I think since our hiatus, Jason, am I wrong? Our first hundred percent, genuine hundred percent. We usually yeah. give everyone a hundred, even if they well, don't deserve it. I'm very. <laughs> I, I'm like a ridiculous Sarah fan. Like I had to act very, like as cool as humanly possible to work with her. I had to like forget who she was <laughs> yeah, in yeah. order to work with her and see her every single day. So, but I, I. Big on her music, so you couldn't have picked probably a better artist. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Well, I was just saying, can you imagine going to work with someone that you like admire so much? And obviously, you don't need to imagine it. You did it. <laughs> Legitimately, like one of my top three musical inspirations. Wow. wow. And then you were like, "Hello, thank you. I'm here." Yes, I was a I loser was around her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were great. <laughs> Who the other two? I'm curious. Beyonce. Oh, of Ariana Grande. Hello. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like those are my top three. Like I can't. Like I. I couldn't think of three other voices that inspire me more than those three. Ariana Grande is lit. She's it. She is. Yeah. <laughs> I would be that way um, if I had to work with Mariska Hargitay. Complete loser, I'd fall. 
Yep. I would not be able to say a line or even make make a step. <laughs> you would try. You know you what? Yeah. You know what? Well, good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was lovely. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. Oh, good. I'm glad. Can you tell all of our listeners where they can find you on social media? Oh, yes. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't tweet. I don't go on my Twitter. Don't follow me. Don't do anything there. Um, I do love Instagram. Um, so I am at jerryann.perez. Um, Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's where she's at, awesome. people. We will drop that in the show notes. And Jason, drop it about us. On Instagram and our Twitter that we never use. Also. Survival Dogs Pod. <laughs> And then our Facebook is Survival Dubs, a podcast. Boom. And then I'm Jason A. Coombs on IG, which I love. And, and Sammy I'm Tuts. Sammy Tuts. Tuts. Love it. Yes. Well, thank, thank you, you thank listening. you, thank you. Thank, thank you. you Jen. Thank you, Samantha. This is thank fantastic. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, this yeah. is awesome. Thank you so much. Come back to New York and let's meet in real life. All of Absolutely. Us. 10 out of 10. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.